There is a very big chicken in a very small birdcage, and that is a <laughs> deeply, deeply upsetting image. I, I, I remember me and my friend were stoned once, and we went, what the fuck, dude? Like, yeah, there's the skulls, but that is a big chicken. It's in a little birdcage. It's like, that's just not fucking healthy, man. That's really sick shit. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> everybody welcome back from the holiday break this is uh one fucking hour and i'm evan husney joined of course uh to my left by tom fitzgerald tom hi everybody happy 2020 what is it 20 2022 <laughs> uh, it's, there's a two in there and a zero <laughs> <laughs> and uh to my right of course uh mr marcus herring marcus how you doing how was your holidays Oh, it's just great. Feels good to be back here watching these movies, though. Yeah, that's right. The, yeah, back all that holiday BS over with. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. we, we got to be. We got to be here. <laughs> yeah, Tom and I had a good time in New York. Man, bought a fat stack of forty fives and slowed them yeah. down. Man, uh, we were listening story. to. We were listening to Don't music at thirty three. Don't make me too jelly now. Oh, okay. oh, he slowed we down. We are. Music. Yeah. We are 33 guys in a 45 world. Yes, we are. Covered. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That might be uh, for a new podcast. <laughs> coming, coming soon, everybody. But uh, hey, anyway. Hint, hint. Okay. Uh, well, welcome back, everybody. And this fucking hour, we are talking about uh, Toby Hoopy's uh, masterpiece, uh, amazing, one-of-a-kind film, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, from 1974. Um, and uh, let's start that clock. Uh, oh, God. On. This is going to be tough. Now, before I, I hit... I know I've said this... Tom get a whole hour or... Uh... Hold on. Before I hit start, okay, <laughs> we have the spray bottle for Tom. So, Tom, down boy. Yes. Okay, th th this okay. might be utilized in the show, but here we go. It's let's like, do it. This is like Dr. Evil's mini-me, uh, you know, behavioral control. Okay. Right? <laughs> yes. So, when I see the bottle... I'll shut up. I promise. The okay. subtext is Tom is so, so loves this movie so much that he's going to be find it hard to contain himself. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And right on that, let's. I mean, this is going to be dangerous, but let's start with Tom. Okay, Tom, you, okay. you, you, you texted us earlier today. In fact, <laughs> proclaiming that Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know what, guys? It's my favorite movie of all time. So I wanted to kick it off to you, Tom. Tell us a little bit about why that is. And what your relationship is with this, uh, I mean, fucking Blame incredible yourself. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, maybe we'll all get into our own origin stories, um, you know, very briefly. Very briefly for me, I was maybe like 12 or something. And my uncle and some other male uh, family members said, uh, let's have a guy video night. And I was like, huh? Okay. So we ordered pizza and we got like uh, a bunch of, a stack of uh, VHS tapes. And so this was way out in the country in the middle of nowhere like with a pond and then like woods. And so we watched Chainsaw and I was like, whoa, okay. And then they went to go get the pizza and beer or something. And I stupidly stayed at this country house and I was all alone for like 40 minutes. And I was just staring out the window in the darkness. And it was simply stated, it's the last time and the last film that scared me actually. I was actually scared, you know, because otherwise, yeah. You know, after that moment and for the rest of my life, it's like I've never been scared at all ever, you know, uh, you know, so like it was it had a huge impact on me. So that was yeah. a weird way to get into it. But as far as favorite movie of all time, I've said that for years now and I and I really mean it. And um, it's not even really the horror aspects or the groundbreaking slasher thing and all that jazz. It's uh, the power of the filmmaking. And um, we will get extensively into the filmmaking. So that's like um, one of the big points that we're going to be bringing up. But if I can bore everyone for just a second, one of the things that uh, Chainsaw does for me is I'm calling it the um, the uh, serif and sans serif uh, horror uh, situation. Um, and what I mean is uh, like fonts is what I'm referring to. Uh, and Marcus is an expert. Maybe you can help me. Serif, uh, serif yeah. are, oh, I was going to say serif are the, um, uh, the in this bad analogy are uh, traditional horror films. Hammer, 
and even like Night of the Living Dead, you know? So in, in the font world, Marcus. Well, what I'm thinking is like, you know, on uh, the cover of Time Magazine, right? The, uh, the That's a good, that's a font that has the little extra doodads added to the letter. So you got your T and it's got the, uh, let's see, I'm trying to find the camera. And the, uh, the lines go down at the end of the T and at the bottom base, they go out. So it's the serifs are the little lines they've added to fonts and uh, the sans serif would be fonts without those like your like the Helvetica and stuff you see at the airport or on stop signs. That's the sort of stripped yes, yes. down version. Exactly. Thank you. And maybe you can start seeing my, my analogy here forming. So I'll do very briefly. This is why I think this is a very special film in general and special to me. I think it's like the first 70s film. Forget, uh, well, first 70s horror film. So what I'm getting at is um, it's all very alienating and there's nothing to, to grab onto with familiarity with Chainsaw. The music is not orchestral. It's like non-Western, it's music concrete. It's ugly, brutal noise, okay? And, and it's and, and disconcerting. And, um, and the filmmaking is ice cold and very clean. And uh, it's very realistic, but it's, uh, it's, it's a realistic world with these fantastical situations that makes it even more horrifying. You know, there's no supernatural elements or anything like that. There's also no police force. There's no detective. There's no love interest. I mean, you know, those couples are dating. It's not love interest. And um, everything is just to deliver a nightmare world, to deliver um, a, a place that it feels very real and lived in, uh, but uh, and relatable. Like you could be in that situation in the Texas Chance Matter. There's no zombies. You know, that's all I'm trying to say. So I could get really long-winded with this, but there's a real demarcation for me. And that's why I'm saying it's a, it's the sans serif font of horror. The first and best example. Down boy. Okay. Down boy. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> and then Marcus, this is a very formative film for you. I understand as well. I, I would assume. Yeah. You know, it's weird. I saw it as a teen, but you know, as a teenager, like probably 13 or something, one of the first movies I saw on my own, picked on my own. But, you know, what I realized is that I lived it long before that in a way. And uh, let me explain. I When I was, uh, I think that Texas Chainsaw is almost like um, as totemic, iconic a movie or villain horror movie for me as like a Dracula or the mummy or, and, or a ghost. Or, and the reason why is because uh, I think about – in 1984 or something like that, I was just a little kid, probably 10 years after this movie came out. My sister had like a a like a Halloween party out at my grandparents' farm, and it, this is, I grew up in Texas, so it's out in the Texas brush. And uh, they did my, my family did little pranks to kind of scare her and the and uh, her friends out. So um, one thing was uh, my granddad was like dressed like a vampire, my grandmother was dressed like a ghost, and they did sort of little, little horror scenarios like that. <laughs> Amazing. But the the big sort of like uh, set that piece of the evening was they had a hayride, and the the uh, girls went off at dusk into the hay, riding uh, the hayride, and my dad was uh, like uh, was wearing a, like put on a really grotesque mask and had a chainsaw with the chain took taken off of it. And he like when they were off like on the road, he fired up the chainsaw and chased them and like jumped on the back wow. of the wagon and like swung the chainsaw oh, over their heads man. and stuff. And I was I wanted to go, but um, you know, but my parents thought it was a bad idea. So I just I was I, they left me by the side of the road in a ditch like at dusk like in the in the bushes you know by myself on this farm road and i was just listening and every time the girl screamed i was laughing and i remember laughing so hard my sides ached and I, i'm thinking that now i didn't realize it at the time but it's probably one of the reasons like why my taste is so weird now that moment you know yeah that wow. moment of just like I'm, I'm like four or five years old just like laughing at these girls being terrified by a texas chainsaw man <laughs> thumbs up um yeah, amazing. I mean, for me, I mean, you know, I, I'm 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 younger than y'all. I, I saw it on DVD, you know, so whatever. But it had a huge impact on me. I mean, ever since I've always, ever since I saw it, it was always just yeah. That first time Leatherface pops out, you know, uh, in that iconic scene and, and knocks dude on the head with a hammer. Seeing that in its rawest form, you know, with just like no music, very sparse and medium shot. 
it was just so nightmarish, uh, but but very realistic, and 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 that is what stuck with me forever, um, uh, and in a lot of ways. But let's. So we're let's, in accord with that. Like, it's a it's a it's a real very real world. Uh, that's where a nightmare is playing out, which is probably yeah. the most devastating kind of horror. Yeah, in the daytime too, no, no less. Um, yeah, so in the sunlight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This so, so, for a lot of it. That is, yeah, right. And that there are a couple moments in this that are, I think, the scariest moments in horror movie. Like, uh, Without a doubt, I don't want to yeah. jump the gun, but when he slams that door, that is the scariest thing in my mind. Like, you know, it's like nightmarish, make my heart jump, scares. Scares the shit out of me. Yeah, and we were talking about it earlier, uh, Marcus. Uh, there's no music. There's actually, I think, like no sound at all when you first see Leatherface when it pans up to his face. Um, but the music drops hard with that ugly, insane music concrete right on the slamming of that huge metal yeah. door. And that is that's genius. Wow. That's genius. Yeah. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's also like the Powerful. way the horror is played wow. in it, it, the way the horror is sort of dealt with in this movie, too, is very non-traditional. Maybe this goes back to your serif argument isn't is in traditional horror films. There, there is like, you know, the scream and the ah, but the but this movie, when things happen, people are confused and scared, like bewildered, you know, like like they're half asleep. And I think that's another aspect to it that makes it very realistic. Um, it's all and, bewilderment. Yeah, yeah, because they're not just being like attacked. They're also uh, having their first experience with that insane house. So they're yeah. like, ah, I'm dying. And what is this fucking house? <laughs> you yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, totally. You know? and, like, what is this? Yeah. And, 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 and you fucking got to love Toby Hooper, uh, a.k.a. as we call him, Toby Hoopy. Uh, Why do we he, call him Toby Hoopy, Evan? Oh, it's just Evan a very in, endearing Canadian filmmaker was like, uh, told me a story. Yeah, I got to sit down, you know, with Toby Hoopy one day. And so, I don't know, it just stuck. But <laughs> anyway. we call him around yeah. uh, these parts. Yeah, so, Toby but Hoopy. I always loved how Toby Hoopy talked about in that scene when uh, Leatherface comes cracking down with the hammer. You know, it's like, people don't really realize that, you know, brain shards, you know, would uh, crack and fall in your brain. And that's what would cause you to, like, you know, tremor. Spasms. That's Spasms. so sick, by the way. I know. It's like down. I Toby. think that's the first time that ever happened. It's much more common, obviously, as the years went on. But that might not have happened in film. And again, the that's blood, very realistic. Like a bludgeoning and then like the after The spasm. Kind of the spa- yeah. He's just, spasm. you know, his muscles and nerves are spasming. Uh, that's another very realistic detail. You know, like not like, oh, I have an axe in my head and I fall down. You know, it's like like this 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 little uh, episode that happens very commonly uh, in, in, a, in a head trauma like that. It's so fucked up, man. You know? <laughs> so let's uh, let's uh, let, let's take a step bad. back and let's um, look into the opening of this incredible film, because I think really the first, you know, uh, a couple of minutes of the film are truly remarkable. So, Tom, I know it's a yeah, maybe we can thread up the um, yeah. that first shot we have of uh, oh the corpse display. I think I call it. Yeah, you know, just to have his little background. Uh, Puerto County. <laughs> right. Well, like so Paul sets it up to be all kind of like this. This really happens too. You know, like the crawl. Yeah. It's just kind of a device. You know, it's supposed to be Ed Gein, but <clears throat> more on that later. <laughs> yeah, not Ed Guy. So, well, I was going to say, now this is sort of us getting into the filmmaking thing. You know, we're, we're going to do probably three different kinds of chunks. And to talk about just the filmmaking, I've always been blown away by uh, not just this shot or anything like that, but how the film uh, unfolds and it opens. And, you know, you, get, you do get the, um, the, the crawl and the narration and everything like that. I kind of am starting more. My interest starts here with this zoom out of the grotesque displayed uh, corpses. And the radio. It will, so, so I'm just going to get into the components for a second, just to articulate uh, what I love about it and how you, you get to the power uh, of the opening. Like, um, there's all these components that are building in the first few moments of the film to, to create a whole world that is doom and dread and Texas, okay? And so the components are the grotesquely displayed corpse, which looks incredible, it's such an outstanding shot. It's like at dawn. There's, like I said, this slow zoom out, and but then the radio. That's such a great touch, and that's such a. I'm gonna say it. That's that's just serif moment. But that's the first thing you really hear is like just dry, horrible AM radio news. Okay, so that's that, and then you get into horrifying music concrete 
with the radio still going so it's like and today uh 17 nuns were raped and murdered you know like it's all only bad news if you notice in the, in the film on the radio and but then also the insane harsh psychotic music of Crete starts going too and they're both going and guess what you cut to of course you cut to sunspots because it's like this uh, on a cosmic level there's this huge negative charge of evil and that's the next thing and then that's what uh, those are underneath the titles those are the, that's what that's what we're looking at is sunspots i think so they got access to uh like a local planetarium's so footage cool. or something yeah, telescopes amazing. telescopic shots of the sun but then and then you're still not let up because we do finally sort of land on on, on earth again and it's a dead armadillo upside down on the roadside roadkill and uh you're still <laughs> right you're still exactly you're still hearing the radio and um and also there's this shot of the sun shining but it's like really diffused and it's just this like blood red kind of orange it's like, like a filter over it or something right or, huge yeah. multiple filters yeah so i just am very impressed by that and i felt that what it does is it establishes itself you know and says like this is what this is going to be and there's no escape and there's no hope and it's just all going to be a powerful assault on your nervous system yeah, and w one thing I want to tag in there that I, I, found, I felt was relevant, because I knew you were going to talk about the opening and the sun specifically, and I thought you might like this detail, is that I, I did read that Toby uh, was uh, fixated on uh, the idea of including the sun uh, you know, really into this movie because he akined it to, and this goes back to the Seraph thing, which is kind of wild now, is like how yeah. all other horror films more traditionally would use the moon you know, uh, to sort of signify werewolf. certain things. Oh, that's so, awesome. Right. So yeah. the inverse for Toby is he's thinking the sun, awesome. uh, which is oppressive, you know, and that and that this is causing a different kind of madness. The sun is making you crazy. Well, if I can, yeah. <laughs> if I can, just yeah. want to make one little observation um, about the sun specifically. Uh, we're, we're in Texas, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, I've heard an anecdote, the guitarist from Buttle Surfers, right? People are like, why are you guys so really, really fucked up? Like, why are you like mentally ill? And he said, you know, when you're in Texas, you live in Texas, right in the middle of the summer, you go insane from the heat. You are not well and you just don't give a shit. And you just like do weird stuff and fucked up things and break stuff and like spill mustard on your head and stuff. So <laughs> it's like, so that is a thing. And so it's the, the sun is like a Texas thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, it's, uh, and it totally makes sense, you know? And, and these are very Texas filmmakers. And, you know, uh, and, I, I, and, I, and I do think more on this later because we'll, we'll get everything out and then I'll get into my political satire connections to this movie. But, um, you know, I, 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 this film is very Texas centric, uh, obviously mm. in the title, but I think it deals with a lot of what was going on in Texas at the time as well. And I think to include the sun is such a strong presence to make the, more than half the movie uh, occur in the daytime, in the heat, uh, I think is a very deliberate uh, choice. It starts and ends in the sun. Uh, right. You know, it's dawn in the ending. Right. You know? Right. And the sun is shining. The sun's rising in the very last shot with the leather face dance. So I never thought of all that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, shall we get into um, just a little bit about, so that after this amazing sort of opening to the film, it gets right into the characters with, uh, with our protagonist picking up the hitchhiker, which is obviously a very iconic moment. But something I wanted to touch on, do you mind if I cue it up real fast? Yeah. Um, you you singled out the scene here, Tom, of this wonderful wide shot. It's coming up. Also, I love her saying, "He's weird looking." No. <laughs> yeah. This, this isn't this. So this is what I mean. This kind of shot and that great only Texas guys can look like that, honestly. And like, uh, but that's such an incredible, powerful, cinematic, creative shot for you know what really should have just been a dirtbag movie. But look at the beauty of that. Side note, right, yeah. I also pulled it because those kinds of scenes always scared me where, you know, let's say you are the camera and, and you're like many yards away from the road and, and, the, and the car going by, the van going by, and also this psychotic person who's, you're not right next to him, but he could run over to you. So it just has this like, you're, what if you were stranded? yourself for some reason on the side of the road oh. and and you're seeing far away this very weird man uh you know maybe maybe you're there when he just gets kicked off the van out of the van and so uh there's something brilliant in the filmmaking to play with your mind psychologically like it's not a close-up shot which would i think is more 
or, or, or this distant shot is actually more disconcerting for some reason to me. I can't really explain it. Do you guys know what I'm getting at? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I do think that the movie is trying to um, slowly walk you into uh, a nightmare, you know, a, a nightmare. <clears throat> and something very one fucking hour, which I know we love about these movies. I think hey. this, I think Texas Chainsaw is the perfect cross section of a lot of the movies we've loved that we've talked about. Um, because, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's the deliverance connection, which we chatted about a little bit, you know, sort of normies interacting with, you know, uh, hillbilly. Deep, deep, deep south. Yeah, deep, deep, deep south. Um, but also the connection um, to me is is in Phantasm, which might not be so obvious right at the top. But what I do want to say is that something that both Kim Henkel, the writer, and Toby Hooper both were jiving on when they were talking about uh, Texas Chainsaw is the idea that this film exists in a nightmare syntax. Now, I know you love that shit. Uh, but basically... They talk about once the travelers enter the daymare of Texas Chainsaw, right? When they're crossing over into it, they're entering a nightmare loop. And of that, of course, got me thinking fucking phantasm, fucking tasm. Right, right. You know, so <laughs> I think that that's another that's cool cross section, you know. Wow. Um, that's just every movie we've done, I guess. It yeah. does. But, but the thing is, I know, we love I our know. nightmares. <laughs> but, but, but if I can actually geek out for a second just to circle back to this, uh, one of my many boring uh, comments is um, that unlike Phantasm, hold on, give me one second. No Down spray bottle yet. This is a statement and I'll get out right now. Chainsaw is g always grounded in hardcore reality and never diverts. But something like Phantasm, which I dearly love, is fantastical, supernatural, other worlds, uh, inexplicable things, fingers moving, you know. But that's that's what I really love about this. That's the serifness for me of uh, Chainsaw. It's somehow a nightmare that has absolutely got its two feet in the ground. That's all I want to say. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but what, one thing I, I one observation that I also like, which is very of the time in that scene when they're in the van uh, picking up the hitchhiker is when the is, is when the idea and this is what I think is kind of segueing into the nightmare world is when one of the characters is talking about Mer Mercury being in retrograde you know and 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 that's so like astrology and the zodiac and the occult is so well, they're hippies time. kind of you know totally yeah. yeah yeah but but that sort of you know acknowledgement at least to me um, you know, does kind of jive with the sun and the moon shit we were talking about earlier, um, and and how we were comparing it to Deliverance. Um, I, I'll save a lot of this for later, uh, but we're just kind of on the subject. Is we were talking about you know the, the sort of with the connection with Deliverance of the new guard entering the old guard like Deliverance. You know, I think that is a huge theme of this movie is is having the new the hippies kind of yeah, entering yeah. in because a lot of comments are made in that opening. Um, uh, in particular about the industrialization of what's going on in Texas at the time. They're talking Slaughterhouse. about slaughterhouses. Yeah, and, and they're talking about, well, you know, a lot of these guys are losing work because of the, uh, te the, the technology progressing in the area yeah. and, 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 and how the old guard is literally <clears throat> left behind um, in, in a lot of ways. And I think it's shown to the extreme, and this is very Toby Hoopian, but it's like going to the extreme where they're literally having to... Um, you know, be reduced to cannibals, and 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 that's how they're sort of uh, living off. You know, the right. Well, it's like they, they they can't kill Jonathan's the cows anymore. It's like, well, it's like Grant. I was gonna say, Grandpa hasn't lost the touch, and if he can't kill in a slaughterhouse, he's got to kill something because that's all Grandpa knows. You know, that is there too at the end. Yeah, totally. Marcus, you were saying what? You were saying? Oh, what? I was I was just. Making the connection, uh, you're talking about being Jonathan Swift-ish, like modest proposal or something, where it's like, right. well, if we can't kill the cows, then we'll just have to kill the people, then, and you know, yeah, yeah, and I, I, I and and I, I think it's really interesome because you know. What you, Tom, you're talking about the radio broadcasts that are coming in uh, right off the top. It's really one of the first things that really also reminiscent of another. <clears throat> one fucking hour, Dawn of the Dead a little bit, where it's really painting the portrait mm -hmm. of this this whole world going to shit, you know? Going um, crazy. Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways. And uh, Toby Hoopy talks a lot about... Sorry, <laughs> that's how I'm going to call him. Toby, that's the only... <laughs> that's his name. Toby, Toby Hoopy does <laughs> refer to this movie, you know, as an allegory of what's going on in the country at this time. 
You know, he does talk a lot about that. And um, he does talk about this time in America in the, in the early 70s, you know, when um, America is in, is in upheaval. It's in turmoil, you know, and uh, we're, we're coming out of Watergate and all these things are sort of happening in, in the country. And I do think um, starting the film off that way, I think, is, is something that... Because um, there's huge seismic shifts in culture. And I think whenever that happens, evil prevails and dark energy comes to life, man. And I think that's what really he was tapped into, into making this movie. But more on that later. I was thinking, but it's funny but, that, that that's, that's just one second. It's just uh, that's analogous to my dumb sans serif, serif thing. Like, like, because I've always felt that in the 70s, so many changes happened so fast to everyone, hippies and squares and everything, that it kind of uh, was its own freak out. Let me put it this way. At the same theater that had The Sound of Music, they later, 10 years later, played Snuff, the film Snuff, you know? And I think that people were getting sort of psychic bends that they could not handle all the changes, and they're all bad changes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like just the Vietnam War alone, and then Side note, I think there was a huge meat crisis. I mean, I wasn't conscious then, but like um, there was some meat problem in like in the 70s, early 70s, like a meat shortage and then meat prices were incredibly expensive, you know, so. Uh, well, there was also think, a gas shortage, <clears throat> which was huge yeah, in that yeah. time period. And that actually figures its way into the film. That's how it becomes a plot element in the film. Yeah. So, you know, he, he really is, um, you know, tapped into this. I mean, fuck, I could go into it right now unless you want to you want to hard turn somewhere else. Uh, well, I mean, let's follow through, you know. Okay, let's do it. So, all right, this book, I got a shout out because anybody who's interested in this shit should check it out. This is, get ready, Leatherface versus Tricky Dick, okay, by... Is it uh, good? <laughs> it is, it is, it is good, by okay. Martin Harris. It's real heady shit, right? But it really is looking, examining, <laughs> and, and, and it also knows it's ridiculous, you know, and it's playing into that, you know, which I like. Yeah. But it, it is really digging into one of the more underappreciated elements of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which, you know, Toby's always talked about, but it gets steamrolled over. All the DVD special features don't go into it because they only want to talk about the neckbeard shit, you know. But yeah. uh, something that's really important to Toby is this Watergate connection to, uh, to Texas Chainsaw, which is like, what? You know? But... Sure. but a huge source of inspiration for him was the political upheaval of what was happening in the country. You know, th th this idea that, like, you know, we can't trust uh, w what is sort of happening uh, because of the crimes of Nixon and how that what effect that's having on the American public. And he sort of looked at uh, transforming that story of political corruption into, you know, a little horror show. And even uh, Kim Henkel describes this as the blackest of comedies in terms of it being uh, a commentary on the schizophrenia of the Watergate era, which I think is really interesting. And, you know, the film opens with the story you're about to see is true. That's a lie, you know, right off the bat, because, um, you know, which is something that Hooper, Hooper put in to sort of be in response to being lied to about, you know, the government and everything that was going oh, okay. on. You know, and that was something that he did with that, which plays into your radio thing at the top. But and of course, yeah. the, you know, everything that's going on and the very first words that you hear from the radio are actually talking about um, getting ready for the indictments and a grand jury and all. Oh, it does. Things. It does. It's the first thing you that. hear. Yeah. So that's awesome. Okay. All my point is, is that he's very tu tuned into the changing of the guard in the country, you know, and this idea that the chainsaw family represents the old guard and our new hippies are the new guard and he's poking fun at both of them and the capitalist ideology that's pushing everything in the in the country forward and i do think about it like you know also the sort of hypocrisy of nixon is upholding this image of the perfect family but obviously you know he's a fucking crook and i think the chainsaw family is sort of a very super highly deranged satire of that almost like you could imagine like in a national lampoons magazine like i was a, just gonna say nl it's like everything you're saying <laughs> and like the cover of that book it's like a vintage michael o'donohue uh you know national lampoon as the first thing i was thinking of because that's that's <clears> what they trafficked in that's how they did the 70s is through black comedy. Yeah. So you could see that, though, like the chainsaw. Here's the new American family is grandpa and Leatherface and, you know, right, all right, that right. shit. So I don't know. I just thought that was cool. This book is awesome. It's great. It, it, it dives I'm into all that. that so, you know, yeah. whatever. It's great. Anyway, I'm going to spray this on myself now. Go ahead. Great. Ah, the bottle, yo. OK, so you know what? I'm just going to maybe go into this other topic that we've been playing around with. 
based on you mentioning Toby Hoopy so much, and um, sort of back to the raw filmmaking and the the, the filming of this, you know, uh, insane motion picture. Um, so I, you know, people throw around the auteur theory a lot, and um, you know, it's Hitchcock, and then you know, and then then John Carpenter, and like you know, their, their body of work, and what does it say, and you know, like the consistency of their work. But this is going to sound like an insult. And I don't want it to be, but um, I, I've always wondered why Toby Hoopy never followed up Chainsaw, frankly. I mean, uh, Eaten Alive is interesting, and I like it, but it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not on par. And then everyone pretty much knows now that he didn't direct Poltergeist. Right. It's just that because of E.T., Spielberg couldn't take directing credit you know, for it. So, um, and then what else is there, you know? And then I don't Life really... Force. <laughs> what? Life Force. Life Force. Or... Yeah, so yeah, that's true. But anyway, what I'm saying is, um, I feel that uh, I, I know it sounds harsh. He's overcredited, I'd say, and I think this is another example. And we like this at one fucking hour, which is this is a great group effort. It's a group of like you know the super the superheroes all get together. And what I mean by superheroes, we've said this other times with films that we love. Um, that all these people brought their A game and that uh, and I'll credit Toby, I guess, for corralling all these amazing people, you know, on every level. So, you know, we're talking about, uh, well, why don't we put it on? Here's a good example of, of, uh, of people on all cylinders. It's the scene where the girl um, falls into the shrouded uh, living room. And what you're experiencing here on the aesthetic, the aesthetics is um, the powerful, insane music, concrete noise that we were talking about earlier. Uh, and then the set design by the mad genius Bob Burns, oh. um, the oh. editing, the quick cutting of, um, you know, uh, the montage uh, editing of uh, the contents of the room. And the one that always gets me, my favorite, is there is a very big chicken in a very small birdcage. And that is a <laughs> deeply, deeply upsetting image. I, I, I remember me and my friend were stoned once and we went, what the fuck dude like yeah there's the skulls but that is a big chicken it's in a little birdcage it's like that's just not fucking healthy man that's really sick shit and then but then of course there's all these grotesquely festooned um you know skulls and uh, like let's uh, do it let's like, do it like half a jaw so oh, you got it okay here we go i just want you to set it up this, this is my is favorite chicken favorite moment it's incredible and her look forgettable, you know, unforgettable scene. <laughs> What's she looking at, guys? The chicken and the big, large chicken and a small birdcage. Right. <laughs> She's like, I'm probably going to die, but I can't. God, that zoom lens. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're her, the yeah. or the camera's her. That's a lot and, of, uh, yeah, the, a lot of their, uh, when they get killed is because they're just curious about the house. The first guy looks like he's going to charge in to check out the the taxidermy too you know that everyone's kind of yeah i mean he, he, they're all drawn there by like what you know uh, evan was saying which is the gas crisis and an empty uh gas can but uh, yeah she's just kind of looking around but then and then we're looking around and what i'm saying is um there's so much really cool editing and all this handheld camera work and this feels very much like a like ls trip lsd trip freak out hippies kind of like like uh, just zoning out on this really darkly charged, like uh, you know, almost it's almost psychedelic. Is what it's I'm all done so well because sometimes on a low budget, right here, movie, these shots on a low like, budget movie, if you were to like focus on this kind of thing, who me or no, 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 that was <laughs> Look at these time. shots. No, go ahead, Marcus. I was just thinking, like you know, under like if the production design wasn't this good, a lot, a lot of low budget movies, you don't want the camera to sit on those design elements for so long because you start to see the edges of the edges of the production and you see like oh they didn't execute this so well but then the production design of this movie is just incredible it looks so good that they spend a good like 30 seconds just exploring that room which is not something you normally see you know actually a great lot point. more <laughs> yeah it's yeah, true it but but yeah, great you can point. bask in it great point and i want to i want to i want to uh tag in there because uh, Robert A. Burns is the art director of the film, and he's really one of the unsung fucking geniuses of this movie. And to make a movie like this, you need a dude who's just fucking down with dead shit, you know, who's working yeah. with dead shit, you know. And this dude did that. I mean, he was collecting roadkill, buying dead dogs and animals by the truckload 
um, in order to. He wasn't make a production this movie. designer. He'd have been a hitchhiker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Slicing yeah. people up on the side of the road. I well, guess. the thing the thing about him that's so fucking cool um, is in making all this shit is the way that he approached it. Okay, and I I I was watching an interview with him, and he was talking about how his approach was really to truly get inside the head of the characters, you know, and which not all art directors really do or production designers. And it was not, it's like, we have to be conscious to not make this look like what an art director would think, you know, Leatherface would look like, or this chair would look like, or these things would look like, you know, it has to get into the real motivation of that, which I think is really amazing. And he applied that across the whole board of the film. I mean, he was, he was kind of, yeah, go ahead. And then I want to... Uh, I was just going to say, it's done so poorly these days. Like, just for example, like, oh. I liked... Uh, what was the Matthew McConaughey, mo- uh, you know, series? Like, I like uh, True Detective or something. Yeah, yeah I liked yeah. that. But then the the setups are always just way too elaborate with, like, deer antlers and stuff. It looked like a fucking production design. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Way overdone. And this is just, you know, like, well, like perfect. Yeah, you know? and, it's just and, right. And, and, <laughs> It's just right, but he also like is kind of governing Toby a little bit. Going back to your auteur theory, it's like that iconic scene where the girl gets hung on the hook, you know, and that whole thing. It's like Toby's idea was, well, you know, she'll be put on the hook, and the hook will go through her chest, and it'll be some effect. And Burns is like, no, 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 because then if if people see that, they're only going to think about the effect and how you did it. It'll be like an impressive effect, but it'll be ten times fucking scarier if if you can't compute how she's being hung on that hook you know uh, he's right the second scariest you know, image of I all know. time in a movie is the girl getting put on the fucking meat hook yeah yeah God. so Ugh. but but shout out to bob burns here guys and i pulled this because i knew you'd love it I, I knew you'd love it get a load of this guy my man <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean this guy that's is... just him that's just his house right I know. Like, he's no longer he's, i probably yeah. is he's no longer with us like he's long gone right Yes, he is. I'd love to he almost is. hang out with him. Yeah, um, yeah he's well, a, you actually, know what he is? <laughs> he's a hippie freak, yeah, basically. Oh, actually, and that was his kink. Shout out to my good friend Clark Collis at Entertainment Weekly. He was working on a documentary about Bob Burns for a while. I don't know where that's at, but uh, he wow. was working on that. But one more thing on Bob Burns before we get to the rest of the technical crew. Uh, I just I just got yeah. a couple other things. It's just about the mask, you know, because he obviously created the uh, Leatherface masks too. And it's so cool to watch the interview with him, you know, talking about it because he's like, you know, he's very Texan. And he's like, I worked a long time experimenting with materials that would feel and look like human skin, you know, like that. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, it's so amazing because he's going into the hyper details and you need a fucking guy like this, man. He's going into this is the thought process of designing the mask. Um, and we'll show a clip of where you really get to see it. But he he, he goes into the idea of like thinking, OK. Well, I'm Leatherface, right? Okay, so I'm killing people and taking their faces, right? But how am I killing them? Well, I'm hammering them in the fucking face, and that's going to damage their face, right? So how is Leatherface going to repair the hammered face, you know? Well, he's going to repair the hammered face with, like, you know, crude wiring, you know, and stuff. So that's how far, that's how far uh, fucking Homeboy is going uh, on that that thought process. If I can... um Let's actually uh, let's. Can you play the Leatherface close-up shot? Because yeah. I wanted to actually pivot and talk about the late great Gunnar Hansen. Uh, mm. You know, he's a big he's a big fan favorite, and he's another. You know, like if you had the uh, the baseball cards of Takes Chainsaw Massacre, that'd be a much sought after one. You know, like he is a superhero of this film, and so here oh, you get I to see. Bur- yeah, sad. sad no, so so there's there's well, what I'm saying. You know, like there's two incredible things happening here. There's the mask itself by the great work of you know, Bob Burns, but um, also, you know, Gunner is acting. Gunner's acting because it might not be that apparent, but, you know, there's, there's, there's a classic anecdote where he gets this job and he was a teacher and, you know, I'd never done a film. And, uh, you know, Toby Hoopy hired him because he said, you filled the frame of the door when you walked in. Yeah. Like, right. you're my guy. But the thing is, now another person hired who's just a big goon, like a, you know, like a stunt guy or something, he might have just been like, I don't give a shit. I show up and it's like, what do I do? I grab this, hit it, you know. But uh, Gunner, on his own dime, he went to uh, a school for, um, you know, disabled children, you know, uh, kids with, you know, mental disabilities. 
and he observed closely because he, he said, well, that's what Leatherface is. He's a huge uh, child with disabilities. So he observed their behavior and applied it to the film. And you see that in that great scene where he, what's happening is he's confused because there's so many strangers suddenly coming to the house yeah, and he happens that. to be alone in the house. And he's like, ah, like, like, are there more coming? What's going on? He was disoriented. So like, like a sort of a, a child who's, um, you know, like uh, not running on uh, full capacity, like uh, he was panicking, but, and, and more. And then like Marcus pointed out, like there's sort of a giddiness too. Like it was all very exciting for a second for Leatherface at that moment. And he's kind of coming down. So he applied um, consideration and some acting chops, very demented, very unique acting chops, uh, but acting chops nonetheless. And so you really have to respect him uh, for doing a really good job because he cared so much about what someone else would have just phoned it in. Like a stunt, oh. like I said, a stunt guy. You know what I mean? So, so brilliant that they let him, that they give Leatherface that moment of like uh, sympathy too. You know, that you're almost kind of feel, you understand, you get some understanding into his character right then. Cause it, it's like without them ever telling you any backstory, you kind of understand just like what's going on. He's a huge child. Yes, like you get that. I mean, then later on they say, it, I guess, but, but, uh, or like they, they allude to it. But it is pretty interesting that they give him, he does this couple horrible, scary ass things right in a row. And then they have this whole moment where you're just kind no. of like almost sympathizing with him. It's very, yeah, it's, it's kind and, of mindfucker. You know? No, <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, and also for Gunner, like shout out to, you know, to him too in, in terms of, you know, you are playing the part, yeah, of a horror movie villain, but you're under a mask and you don't have any dialogue. You know, and um, you know, to, to, to really bring you know so much to that to inhabit it that nobody has ever been able to. It's like uh, silent movie that. acting almost, or something. Oh, it is, one hundred percent. Well, and can, then, can we just bullet? Oh, please. What, one more thing, just to close the loop, because we're we're on the Leatherface uh, thread and the Bob Burns, the mm -hmm. end, pu putting a bow on Bob Burns. I just thought, going back to what I was saying about making the mask, I just wanted to show, you know, homeboy working on this stuff, because wow. uh, I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, and then and then and then you also get to see you know it's done you know whatever like you know uh, like see that yeah. in your nightmares. And there's like there's he's like are there three leather face masks right i think like so, one yeah. of them's the girl one of them's one of the one of them's the dead girl yeah this you know? one yeah you know only only so. three people are murdered in this film isn't that yes. weird and he's kind of like uh yeah when he's dressed up like his is he is leatherface become like the mom of the family or something yeah well he puts on a, the girl he killed a face from what i understand so he, there's uh, it becomes mom or a okay, yeah. daughter or something, but uh, actually let's get maybe into that uh, sort well, of. I just oh, had a quick question. Sorry, is uh, uh, about the Ed Gein. I wonder if there were like old photos or anything of the Ed Gein crime. Oh yeah, there are an old book or something. Oh yeah, that, there's, like, all, oh, there's tons all of photos. There's a lot footage. of photos actually. And there's footage. He, he, yeah. 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 To, so, okay. to, he, he killed Toby the was... woman. Let's just really quickly. There's a famous photo. It's really, really horrible. Horrible. He, uh, he he hung a woman upside down, and and uh, they call it dressing. Like he dressed her exactly like a deer. Like a deer, like a deer, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so that's that disconnection of like deers, yeah. per human, you know. And and that's the whole not the whole like the film. The whole Ed Gein connection is loose in that. Again, it goes to our Psycho '98 episode, but the uh, the the Ed Gein connection to Texas Chainsaw literally is something that. Uh, I think Toby Hoopy had a connection to somebody in Wisconsin, a, a family member, and who had t who taught him all about, mm. you know, that story growing up, and that stuck with him when all the other elements, you know, uh, where Toby was much more plugged into what was happening in the country, and then I think just the Ed Gein thing was just the vehicle, you know, to to put in all of his ideas. It was kind of it was a local story. I mean, he's just kind of north of oh, Texas, yeah. and yeah, yeah, got yeah, around yeah. really like there was family members probably. But you know, distant family members scattered around the part of the country. But right. if I can, uh, just to, you know, we're running out of time. Just like to move forward a little bit, I wanted to um, get back to one of my tedious topics, which was um, uh, the the um, the filmmaking bringing us to to a uh, an otherworldly place, um, almost a cosmic level of horror, even beyond the sun. And what I mean by that is, if you could uh, um, thread up Sally Freakout. And this is at the dinner table. And this is also a shout out to the um, photography uh, in the filmmaking. So the talent of that part of the film is, is, I think, well exemplified in this moment. And I feel that the film gets almost LSD trip-ish and cosmic when Sally's being terrorized and they really start focusing on her eyes. And it just becomes like really like a trip scene, 
you know, it's sort of like a ritual, just like ten minutes of screaming and giggling and. No, but I'm talking about the shots of her eyes specifically. Yeah, you know, so uh, wow. it's this is a great. I've seen this on the big screen, uh, and it's really heavy when all the eye stuff starts happening. The close-ups I'm referring to, it, you know, it, right it here. Struck, it struck me so different watching this like on HD versus like the VHS that I saw when I was a kid. You know, oh, it yeah. feels so much. It's like night and day. Yeah, like I yeah, remember this, this being this completely stuff, like this, black, like enshrouded in, in black in the in the VHS. Right. So this is the stuff I'm referring to. Like, what horror movie does that? You yeah. Know? Like, and uh, actually, can we maybe just for a second talk about actually the, the the film experience? It sounds like a lot of us have seen this VHS, DVD, or even like a modern HD thing. I did see it on a shitty 35 millimeter print, <laughs> and it was great, and it was really loud, and it was beat up print. And I went with my girlfriend and wow. she kept sinking down into the seat because she didn't do horror films so much. <laughs> it was like in the 90s and she just got smaller and I was like, you're getting lower. And she's like, I can't do this film much longer. And I remember that she, she was like, that was a horrible experience. Like she, she is a person, she's one of those people who would fully feel a moment like that. And she was getting assaulted by the film. She said, I mean, she had a good time, but she was getting totally assaulted. And I got to say, just one last thing is right when the film ended in the, in the theater, it was uh, it was a huge thunderous applause, you know. And the guy behind me went, "Now that's a fucking horror movie." It was such a, <laughs> it was you know, honestly, it felt like a rock band had just finished playing. It, it was like wow. a rock and roll experience. Really loud, beat up, shitty print, and packed audience. It was really, it was one of the great moments I've had in film. I mean, I was even freaking out. It was that eyeball shot that that I'll never forget, you know. But there's more. Because um, just I'll just stay with the power of the filmmaking itself and the components, and then I'll shut up completely. Maybe for the rest of this thing, is no. <laughs> uh, well. I'm just saying, Evan. Maybe um, there's just a couple shots at the end when it's day and they're running out into the uh, to the road. That's a really chaotic moment, you know, with the with the, the truck driver and everything. But there's one called Blood Face. Yep. It's very short, so forgive me, but I'm, there's just a little bit of a point there is there's there's this really punk rock editing style you know so just go ahead and play it it's so brief so yeah he gets hit and then sally's reaction it's that it's that punch in zoom you know Let's and do one more time. uh Yeah. That, that is some fucking sans serif shit you know like <laughs> like that's that's that, that's that's a ruthless fucking cinema terroristic tactic like that's i I only see shit like that in um experimental films yeah. you know she doesn't True. look like sexy covered in blood or anything either you know it looks just like horrifically Horrible, just yeah. like poured right. in blood yeah it's yeah. like should we just to have but just to use the editing punch to articulate like the the panic and mania uh, that's great. They they are all all cylinders. The editor respect to him. So yeah, Should I like how ending? it kind of bucks against uh, you know just the convention that you don't want to show the monster too much either because they show a lot of Leatherface and you're just still like trying to like check him out, observe him. Like you want to you want to like check out what's going on behind the mask. You want to exactly what you're saying. But there was a close up early in the film. We played that earlier. It's yeah. a big close up, and I think that probably. I think that maybe fucked everybody up really hard. That oh, might yeah. have been one of the first big moments of the yeah. close-up because you're just yeah. you're so right, Marcus. That's total sans serif, where it's just like, here's him. Linger on him. Enjoy him. Really get a good look at this guy's teeth are fucked up. That's someone else's face that he's wearing. You know, like like just <laughs> never lose his power either. You're not but at the end of the movie, you're not like only yeah. worse. It's only worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that he did. So um uh i'm pretty oh, the, good oh, you're talking about the last shot right i mean which is like yeah the, la um, the last scene the is end. The, you know one of the greatest shot uh, yeah leatherface's dance we have that we could look at that um, yeah I, I i just love that you know, you know i mean a lot's been said about the ending obviously it's mm -hmm. just it's it's so it's it's so i mean obviously iconic but it, it is such an incredible fucking choice let's just sit that for a second how amazing of a choice well, it is just to be like go ahead it's total sans serif because like just uh here's my favorite component of it um although i love all of it the way it just cuts off it's like mid-sentence kind of it's just like whirling 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 dancing I know. and then again 
complete silence for a moment. Black screen, black nothing, no sound. It's so it's and what happens is this is all genius is the 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 image is still in your eyes because you're looking at black after the shot of him right and you're also still hearing the chainsaw because you've just cut off all senses which is a very sans serif lsd early 70s like vibe that 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 like the guy who did i drink your blood would never even consider no that. it's like that shit is is um even to level. past even past the last frame of the movie they're still making those choices that are fucking uh exactly killer. killer but let's just look at it just because it's the best thing ever um it totally and there's that sun again guys like we were saying yeah and, and it's kind of a triumphant thing i mean you know he's probably going to get arrested because you know sally escaped and and my favorite dude in the movie the uh, uh the black mariah uh truck driver you know like they all survive so he's probably going to like get shot by the cops in like 10 minutes. Well, you'll have to watch the sequel to find out. Well, one thing. No. <laughs> no uh, but one thing sure. that, that is interesting, too, just to close the loop on the sun thing is, you know, uh, Ed Gein famously uh, also is chronicled in, in uh, Slayer's uh, song about Ed Gein is the idea of dancing in the moonlight. Because I think that's what. Ed Gein did is he put on his in a dress in his mother's skin. in his mother's dresses. That's a uh, Manhunter too, right? Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. And but it is you know uh th- th- that's what the deal what a uh, dead skin mask by Slayers dance at the dead of my dreams you know under the moonlight right but the also, idea uh, Texas but, Chainsaw with, Massacre by but, Ramones first album right but in in this moment he's inverting it to texas and with the sun doing that in the sun right so i think that's just really cool how they I sort love of that i, I love the circle, idea of the sun in this i'm so glad you circled back to that because we were talking in the beginning how the sun is filtered and I, while we've been talking we were talking i was thinking that the way that it's filtered is because it looks kind of like the moon for a second they've got this like heavy green filter so you, you look evan sun. you could you could pop it on real quick it's the sunspot and they're uh, armadillo there, like, drawing Just, that direct connection sure. between like the sun, the moon's up in the sky, the wolf is howling. You know, like it would be like a Dracula movie or start that way. And this is like you know the only way you could really see the sun that direct overhead. It's, I guess. it's coming like, right also, here. Yeah, it also feels like connects like, to the moon. I think. You know, know, I think right yeah. there it is. Clouds, That's the sun. Yeah, right. That's the sun right there. It also feels like maybe there's acrid like barbecue smoke. In yeah. the um, in the atmosphere, you know, like it's it's, it's, a, it's oh, a yeah the tech the gas station barbecue thing checks out too because that is a very common Texas thing. Growing up, there's always barbecue in the gas station. I think really at the gas station. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's bro. like a common. It's like a weird thing. thing. Yeah, it's very common. Um, well, especially in thing, the small towns. One th- now as we're getting to the sub ten minutes here, I want to just touch on <clears throat> you know going back again to uh, just all of the crew members thinking on a way yeah. all on a wavelength of really just pure inspiration and, and um, incredible ideas it also was a fucking madhouse you know on that set a lot of people talk about certain things but one detail that i think i was kind of like huh you know when i when i thought about but it just goes to the extent of how tuned in these guys are um into this leatherface headspace man um is so there was this shipment of dead animals they got you know to fuck with uh for the movie um and uh but they're they're expiring fast you know everyone talks about how hot it was and how smelly the set was and how horrible that was well the lights were also heating everything up the lights and yeah i think i think gunner hansen was uh was reeking strong it was all how about that he only wore one he only had one outfit the whole time like they didn't have a double of his fucking clothes Holy shit, dude. Yeah, I know. So anyway, everything's pretty raw and rugged on the set um, and pretty pretty realistic. So the the animals started like really degrading when they were kind of holding on to them. So the uh, the uh, makeup girl, uh, Dorothy Pearl, she started uh, she bought a bunch of uh, formaldehyde that started trying to embalm all of these like DIY embalming all the dead animals that they picked up. And while she's doing it, she's doing it so fast that one of the syringes full of formaldehyde uh, went into her leg and she accidentally like, you know, put some of it into herself. And they're like, all right, fuck this. This is all fucked up. Like, we don't need to do this anymore. Like, everybody slow down. Yeah. And so then they're like, yeah. well, what do we do with all these fucking animals, you know, man? And um, I'm sure a lot of drugs are on this fucking set. Um, well, they, <clears> grew, they, they, grew, they grew and sold pot at the house. I love that. That's incredible. Uh, but they yeah. took just literally hundreds of pounds of dead animals. I'm not even kidding you. 
and they had to make them disappear, so they just burned them all, man. So they had like a big fire pit of just like burning dead animals on this fucking set, and that wow. is of course I mean, they did. I mean, you're you're really in that mindset, man, and and I love that. Everyone's just like you know, this is what we well, have they went crazy. They went they were, crazy. Oh, you know what? Gosh, um, there is a, a a brief clip that I do want to show. Go for it. Um, because uh, you know we're running out of time and. There's a bunch of shit it. I wanted to bring up, and I forgot one of them. It's the um, approaching the house. Yeah, uh, Evan, mm-hmm. and uh, you can just play it. Yeah. So one thing I love about a good horror movie, and this has it, is you see there they're they're walking, they're looking for a swimming hole. The, the, you know, one of the couples from the van, and th- there's something they're doing very well in the film. Well, look at this. They're setting up Beautiful. the parameter where the house is. Yeah, and there's this incredible shot of it's it's like surrealism. You know, a, 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 st- a clock, a watch with a big fucking rusty nail through it, <laughs> hanging on um, on you know tree branches, and that just lo- I think if you showed somebody that out of context, it would look like um, a Parajanov thing or something like that, or totally you know, some Eastern European art film, you know. Yeah. And this even too, like them walking in the lovely field. But what I really like about this is, I, I like horror films before the shit goes down, you know, before you see Leatherface. And how the the, um, the filmmakers are building the dread, you know, like here you're seeing all these these cars, you know, barely being hidden. There's a generator. It's like these people, you know, and we, the viewer, are doing the math and going, this is a place you run away from as fast as possible. Like like these are huge red flags. And what they do is that great thing. You know what? Sorry, I'm also zoning in on that distance thing, like they did, where you saw the hitchhiker from very far away get into the van. What they're doing is, as they're walking towards the, the house, um, like the house is a distance away, but they're using probably a certain kind of lens, Marcus, uh, where uh, they're making, like telephoto, they're making it closer than it seems or something. And they're, and they're showing the house for the first time. And the way the film is framing it and setting it up, that's not a normal house. And that's a house that's foreboding and you don't want to go there. And you get it, start getting the hint of the noisy generator. And it's all that, it's such subtle, great filmmaking before the shit hammer goes down and it's a total, the total nightmare. It's that dread. It's the, not, the ratcheting up of the dread. You know what I mean? And, and they do that so well. And that's my favorite part of a horror movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The well, generating also- louder and louder as they, as they approach the house. And yeah. Right. And it's really it's really pumping up the nightmare. Uh, well, actually, the the daymare vibes of actually looking at you know, like you were saying, beautiful sunny clock, day. And it is, and that's what's. I mean, literally, they they are trying to put you into that daymare loop. You know, I mean, how fucking and time is, is stopped because yeah. the family fucking stopped time by running a yeah. rusty nail through the fucking I'm, stopwatch. Incredible. Definitely, I'm I, I'm Incredible. sold on Evan's gas shortage thing being a part of the. In the mindset, because it is, there's just too much. I've always wondered, like, why a chainsaw? You know, it's a it's a very scary idea, but how did yeah. they come up with it? It makes a lot of sense because the chainsaw is gas powered. You know, the, uh, he, the has story, gas-powered. he has some story. He has some story. He has some story about as a kid seeing a bunch of chainsaws in like one of those stores or something, and it freaked him out. But did, yeah. also, like the other thing too that was very topical, which is a, a very Texan thing, is the idea of there. Th- there was that crazy mid '60s. Uh, Texan like Texas Tower sniper, Charles you know, Whitman? yeah, Charles that Whitman. whole thing, which was a big upheaval into the into it the really culture. Really freaked everybody and, out. Yeah. It freaked everybody out in the changing of the tides. I know that's also mentioned uh, by Toby Hoopy uh, in this book as a big yeah. I mean, shift. if you think about it, like we're so desensitized now to mass shooters. I know, we have, like ter- we have like terms for it, like active shooter, you know, and like <laughs> and it's like it's so com- you know it's so commonplace. It's really grotesque, like. That guy shot all those people in Las Vegas. Remember that, you know? That, and so uh, on, UT, on the UT campus, it's weird when you're walking around because you can see the tower. And like, I'm, right. I'm always like looking up, being like, is this an angle? Could I get hit from this angle? You know, you're always kind of conscious yeah. of where that tower is. You could pick off uh, anybody you wanted in that whole parameter, you know? And I think that's just a yeah. 360. That's a huge thing for this movie. I think it's like I think it's lost now that we're almost fifty years later on Texas Chainsaw. But I think culturally, huge shifts were happening in that time period, and it's and it's no accident in terms of how he doesn't want to make a you know a psycho Ed Gein movie. He, there was much more going on in in, in this film that, I, and I I am definitely a subscriber to that. Totally. One thing I think I, there's a lot of layers, you know. And and and, and and yeah, I was just gonna say, and and anyone who disputes that, who's saying, oh, you know, I don't think that's in there, and Toby Hoopy and all that. You just look at Eggshells, man, his movie before this, and they're examining mm-hmm. those themes. Or Kim Henkel, who co-wrote Last Night at the Alamo, terrific indie Texas yeah. film. They're Ken also- Hen- 
Hankel's kind of an intellectual man, you know, like oh, they are. none yeah. of that would surprise me, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, like I was saying, though, just, yeah, there's layers. And a lot of times I get this very visceral reaction of the cosmic nightmare thing. So, and, and it usually clouds my other uh, p- possible observations. So I'm glad that you're kind of uh, helping me out because I always just go immediately to, um, you know, like a one-way ticket, uh, you know, on PCP to the nightmare world. And it's like, well, there's, that it's, too. there's nothing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, so there's layers and you can appreciate all of them together at once and you can feel them and not maybe uh, uh, cognitively understand that. Uh, yeah. Everything you're saying today. So you know? One of the things I'm picking so, up too is that even though it's so different and, you know, then, and like you said, Sans Serif compared to other horror movies, that there is this, there are some like connections to the classical horror traditions and stuff in it. Like you, like we had the, the moon, sun thing when the clouds at the very beginning. But there's also like a, uh, you know, there's the drunk guy who's like the seer. There's like classical elements. The, there's a drunk oh, guy who's going like, he's like blind drunk. But he's like, I can see what's going on here. You know, he's like the blind seer. And then right. like uh, the hitchhiker guy is kind of like Renfield in Dracula where there's like a, sure. a really creepy kind of lunatic that you meet before you see the real monster. You know, the, I think there is some conscious like uh, connecting it to like horror tropes, the classical horror hey, tropes. Uh, I asked Toby Hooper myself. His favorite movie was Frankenstein. <laughs> there you go. So, no, so um, he, so you got to know Seraph to be Sans Seraph, kind of. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. That's amazing. And I'm sticking uh, Tom, with this stupid metaphor. Yeah, uh, Tom. Real quick before we're out of time, because I know you probably wanted to get it in. It's another amazing nightmare quality to this movie. Nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. It's the amazing discovery of the tooth that is handed off. Uh, tooth it up, bro. Okay, well, it's another shock. It. It's another shock edit, like the the bloody face, you know. We only do movies with teeth shots. Well, I I love I that. It's like, like it's like like deliverance. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Marcus? This shot? Yes, yes. <laughs> no, it's so. I thought of deliverance when I pulled this today. Yeah, uh, we're like big tooth movie guys. <laughs> he's like he's real. He's so sick. He hands it to his girlfriend as a joke. I know what, what a douche. He deserves to die. Love. That. Look at that. I remember. I remember when I saw that. Like I think even the first time I ever saw the film, I went like, "This is they're doing some different shit here." You know. Like that was a that was that could have gone down so generically. Like just ninety nine percent of horror films would have just he would have gone hey do but like to have that genius experimental film concept to play that out and, and it like, works beautifully. It's the, it's the right shot to do. It's the right edit to do. Much like much like uh, Deliverance, it's the perfect signifier of okay, you're in a nightmare now or a daymare in this case. And it's like I think of Polanski's a tenant too when he finds the tooth in the wall. It's like it yeah, really, exactly, it really is that yeah. like we're in another fucking world here. We're finding there's a some Freudian tooth. thing with teeth. Yeah, there's a big Freudian thing with teeth. You know, yeah. yeah, impotence and, and whatnot. Totally. Is the, where's the clock? I think I think uh, we did it, gang. I think it's five seconds. Uh, Fucking man, God, I could have done another hour on this. Uh, easy, easy. Chainsaw, easy, easy. pretty good movie. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty but good. it's de- yeah, pretty good. Um, so, well, thank you, everybody. Uh, that was one fucking hour on uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Toby Hoopies, uh, wonderful film, and that was a good. You know, that was good coming into the holiday, coming after the holidays, fresh into Texas Chainsaw. You know, after that licorice shite we watched uh, late last year. Um, but, uh, uh, I had a blast. You, you really, you're, you're humping for the new PTA movie. Man. Oh, no, I wow. know. I, I'll have yeah. to watch it. We'll have you to gotta talk. watch it. We, we got to do it. Uh, <laughs> speaking, um, a couple of things on the one fucking hour news docket before we close down the show tonight. Uh, one is let's talk about next week's episode. Uh, very excited. We're going to be looking at a film. This is our first double dip, right? On a, on a director on the show. I think so. Think so. Yeah. Think so. Uh, first double dip, sure. same year, uh, 1974. <laughs> we're going to be looking at, uh, you guessed it, John Borman's Zardoz. Next Zardoz. week. Zardoz. I'm excited, man. I haven't watched this in a while. Me too. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time. It's <laughs> fucking great. It is the future. Wizard of Oz. Gun is yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible. So that, that it feels and, just like a 70s comic book. It's incredible. Yeah, and it's... um. But it's like a head comic too, you know. It's kind of oh yeah. It's it it's kind of feels maybe like you get a hint of what Dune or Dune might have been like. A hint. I know. You know, like Mobius or something. You know, the Very, comics. No, Jack or, Kirby. I'm thinking yeah, of Jack Kirby. Heavy metal yeah. and Jack Kirby, but yeah. also heavy metal. Um, and I have a really boring theory too. So 
Can't right wait. On. Uh, we'll bring the spray bottle. Get out the spray bottle. The other thing, last thing on the last thing, last news item. Last thing on the news item is. Uh, uh, in the coming weeks, uh, we'll be launching uh, the One Fucking Hour Patreon. Uh, so anyone that wants to support the show, subscribe, become a subscriber to One Fucking Hour, that's coming down the pike. And one thing we're going to be doing with that, the incentives uh, for becoming a uh, subscriber to One Fucking Hour, is we're going to be doing a little overtime specials. So I'm sure there's a bunch of shit on Texas Chainsaw we didn't get here that we'll want to get later. Um, but we're also going to be doing, guys, I hope you're up for it, feature-length audio commentaries. So you're only gonna get those. Dope. You're only gonna get those on the Patreon. So we if might you be looking. Use your Doja coin. Yeah, you're. T- <laughs> and those, we will not be bringing the spray bottle to those. No, that's a spray <laughs> bottle free zone. But that's we'll right. be looking at movies like Psycho '98, maybe. Who fuck? Maybe we can do a Texas Chainsaw oh, audio commentary. Uh, Every possibly any film except Magnolia. <laughs> I'd do it, but right? Do we all agree on that one? That would be horrible. That would be. Terrible. I can't do it again. I can't. I can't. No, it's over. That's the last maybe, time I'm watching that. Maybe, yeah, probably. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we could do PDL. Maybe we could get down with the PDL audio commentary. All right. Anyway, uh, oh big... fuck you! <laughs> I know what PDL means. What <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. I don't well, know about that. Okay. Well, uh, all right, everybody. Thanks uh, again. Uh, for uh, tuning in this week on Texas Chainsaw. We'll see you next week for Zardoz. And now, everybody, your moment of zen and good night. I worked a long time doing experimentations of material to try to make something that might look like human skin. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. (laughs) 